we're never gonna prove the existence of God. Sure. I think God has ordained the universe that if you really don't wanna believe in him, he's provided a way. So a better way to think about it, I think, is like courtroom evidence. You look at the evidence and then you go, which way does it lie? No matter how airtight a case is, you could always come up with some theory that would get around the evidence and go, oh, maybe he has a secret twin brother that nobody knows about, and that's why the DNA evidence. You could always find a way around it. I think when it comes to examining the, the, the existence of God, the truth of Christianity, what you're looking for is the cumulative weight of all the evidence to go, come on. which way does this point? Hey fam, welcome to Simplexity, a little podcast, just a little one, where we take seemingly complex matters and attempt to make them plain and simple. The more that we're at it, the less confident I am that we make things simple. <laughs> However, we have a good time doing it, whether we make it complex or simple. My name is Sammy Foster, joined with the one and only co-host, Boots is in the house. Hello there, good to see you. Very good to see you. How you feeling? I feel good. I feel good, but I can't say the same for Johnny Blaze sitting here. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Our valued and uh, esteemed, esteemed, very look forward to guest mm -hmm. that has decided to join us today. And Back uh, by popular demand. Yes. Might I add. R really? Uh, yeah. The yeah. people demanded this? Well, oh, yeah. They requested. Yeah, they did. Okay. About they didn't demand. <laughs> they weren't adamant, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just said if you're around. Yeah. Hey, if he's not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but because of the subject matter at hand, one that uh, we talk about often, we thought that we'd invite the conversation to the simplexity table, huh? Mm -hmm. A little venue. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. And we get to work on apologetics. Apologetics. Mm -hmm. Let's go. How would you define apologetics? Ooh. Set us up. Set Here us up. Here you go. Apologetics is the, according to Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> yeah. No. Apologetics is defending the Christian faith. I would say it's also explaining the Christian faith mm. uh, to those that may not understand it. Yes. Hey, why we believe what we believe, what that looks like, why it is reasonable to be a Christian, all of that flows into apologetics. How we address cultural issues, cultural norms, um, that's all sort of under the umbrella of apologetics. Yes. It sounds like you're sorry for something. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like the art of apologizing. That's not what yes. it means, though. Right. Greek word apologia means to defend. Oh, look at Ouch. you. You came with your A game. Came. I can tell. That's the day quill. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I like to frame it as reasonable answers to reasonable questions. Ooh, so wow. it's like... <laughs> you were really ready for this. Yeah. That's really the only contribution <laughs> I have. You've yeah. been waiting all night yeah. to say that. Yeah, all night. I'm sure you tossed and Good morning, yeah. Pastor. You. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm rolling five. around. What am I going to say tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Reasonable <laughs> answers. No, 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 no. no Would you stupid. agree with that? Reasonable answers to reasonable questions yeah. concerning one's faith. Yeah, uh -huh. because I think, I, I, I really like the reasonable questions one, because you're not here to, to answer every crazy nut job theory, you know? This right. is... Hey, for someone who's earnestly seeking, is Christianity the truth? Is Jesus the way? Apologetics has reasonable answers for that. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. The day and age in which we live, 2023, where um, I think people are becoming more and more vocal about their criticisms of the Christian faith, there is a seeming 
um, heightened hostility and or um, falling away at the same time. Those would be, I wouldn't say they're one and the same, but we are seeing various trends trending downward when it comes to Christendom. When you think back to even generations past where it was a staple of the American culture that people somewhat ascribed to the Christian faith. It was the fabric of our society. Um, people didn't, weren't as um, outspoken in their disagreements of it. But now as we see people leaving the church, people being a little more um, uh, articulate in why they disagree with it, we have right now deconstruction going on yeah. with people that um, really take their aim at the, the construct of evangelicalism that even affects their theology yeah. they were raised under. Do you see apologetics more important now than in eras past? And I know that that's sort of a, that's a vanilla question. That's yeah. a broad question. But I want to hear from you pastorally, what type of importance do you put on apologetics? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I ask good questions. You only ask good questions. Reason, it's a reasonable, <laughs> reasonable question. question. Let me I'm give you a, for a reasonable, reasonable answer. Um, that's a good question. Here's what I would say. I think apologetics in some way is, is more important and in some ways less important. Huh. How you like that? A little mm. bit of a both and <laughs> while I figure out what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, we'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, like cause a technical difficulty, <laughs> unplug something. No. Um, more important in that, uh, people really are questioning. Now, yes. you look at the landscape of American Christianity, the least church time in American history was right before the Revolutionary War. Mm. It's according to a church historian named Rodney Stark. And then what happened? What you had was the First Great Awakening. All these people came into the church. After that, you have the Second Great Awakening. People argue that during the Second Great Awakening, the American church quadrupled in mm. size. Um, and so this... this there's sometimes this picture painted that we used to be super Christian, and it's just been downhill ever since. There's an ebb and flow. Right. And as people become more hungry and ask serious questions, I think something like apologetics becomes really important because someone who's earnestly asking questions and seeking the truth is much closer to the kingdom of God, even though they have doubts, I would say, than somebody who has been in church their whole life but never actually thought about it. And it's not really a relationship. It's just going through the motions. Absolutely. That's the problem with Christendom, where Christianity is just ubiquitous in the culture. It's very difficult to know if you actually believe it or not, or if you're just going with the flow. Right. So in that way, I would say apologetics is more important because okay. people are hungry. We're, we're looking at all our sort of um, cultural, uh, cultural structures falling apart, burning in flames, politics, Hollywood, uh, you know, all these scandals and abuse and all that. So where do people put their trust? There's a hunger. I think, you know, Aramis and Ryan have said, even in middle school and high school, people are looking for answers. Mm -hmm. And so there's a hunger that comes in that. So The problem yeah. is, is that amidst all those structures, even the structure of evangelicalism has taken a beating. Yeah. And there's some deconstruction happening in that, which I think is really, really healthy. I don't say that by way of solely a negative. I think the judgment does start with the house of the Lord, and there is some reshaping and some reckoning taking place Amen. of what we've built evangelicalism around, that be personalities, certain people's charisma, giftings, things like that, 
wherein we've gotten away from the essence of the gospel, the yeah. truth and the authority of scripture. We've turned it into something that I think is was was not long lasting. And so even God in his favor has came in and said, I'm going to even tear down certain idols within the church to set the record straight. And that then invokes even a greater criticism. Sure. We see it rightly that, hey, there's a judgment happening. But then the outside world and culture at large looks at it and goes, see, that wasn't that 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 wasn't true either. Yeah. And so I just want to add that before we just take all the shots at culture, which I know you weren't doing. I'm yeah. just adding to the conversation. Yeah. Okay. And so that's why Continue. I would say it's, it's more important because of all that. There are reasonable answers to reasonable questions. And for people, <laughs> Cam's going to write a launch like some website called Reasonable. <laughs> Donate now. Yeah. Yeah. Reasonable Cam. <clears throat> um, it's just you in a sweater. Uh, I would say in some ways it's less important, and here's what I mean by that, or maybe a vein of apologetics is less important. It used to be, I can't remember where I heard this, but it's so true. It used to be apologetics was, if you can win my mind, yeah. then I'll give you my heart. Right. So that was sort of the approach of apologetics, I would say, for the last few decades. Mm -hmm. It would very much be, hey, if you can argue me, give me a good reason. Show me that, that faith is not an intellectual object, or uh, there's no obstacles to that, mm -hmm. and you get my heart. Right. Now, because of everything that you said, because of the deconstruction, because of the criticism, because of the cynicism, now it's reversed. If you can win my heart, maybe I'll give you my mind. Yeah. If you can show me that this is legit, in some degree, I don't mean this in a bad way, if I can experience something, if I can experience peace from a relationship yep. with God, okay, now give me the reasons behind that. Um, and that's fine. Christianity is an experiential religion. Right. This isn't just cerebral. This Absolutely. is a relationship with the living God. And so if you approach apologetics, neglecting the experiential piece and the relational piece, I would say, and it's just all, here's all the arguments, right. that's going to come up short. Because I don't think that's where especially Gen Z is at. Gen Z wants to experience something, rightly so. Absolutely. And I think that at the same time, and you certainly aren't neglectful of this, but as much as it's an experiential um, uh, religion and relationship and narrative that we're able to communicate as to what has happened with us once colliding with the living God, it's also a heavily doctrined mm -hmm. theological religion that in eras past, I understand the intellectual exercise that people sort of gave priority to of, I need to understand all this, I'm able to refute and defend the faith, and that there was a neglect of the experience or the story, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's the apologist McGrath that says that he believes in this present era that the, the story of a convert, mm. of a Jesus follower, is the, the most important aspect of apologetics yeah. paired with an astute sort of understanding of essential theology and essential doctrine, yeah. but being able to communicate to people's reasonable questions. And I think that what has got us in trouble in the past when it comes to apologetics, we have either picked one or the other side. Mm. Yeah. At the neglect that it's not a one or it's a both end. That's good. So what I, 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 I feel like for the listeners, viewers, that I want to I wanna start with is be that I, I give a lot of emphasis to 
the experience and I'm constantly telling my story. And I very much liked what Landon said a few weeks ago when he gave emphasis to the experiential aspect of apologetics. Um, one of the things that I think is, is baseline that's really helpful for people is to start with the personal reasonable questions mm -hmm. that I think people intrinsically have. Yeah. Like, I understand people think about, I, I need to understand what's happening out there. That'd be space, psychology, you know. Um, Archaeology? No, no. <laughs> I wish I, I, I remembered the word. But never mind. Hey, I digress. But I want to talk about what people wrestle with personally. And I think it's four. And it's very, very simple. But when it comes right down to it, people want to know about identity, value, purpose, agency. Mm. Meaning... Who am I? Do I matter? Why am I here? Can I make a difference? Hmm. Who the heck am I? Am I just sort of, you know, just, just a, a result of, you know, an algorithm of chance that I just, do I have any intrinsic value whatsoever? Do I even matter? Or am I just filling time for my, you know, hopefully seven decades and, you know, extra on top of the clip? Lastly, what am I here for if there is a God or if there is not? Is there any purpose then? And then can I really make a difference? Can I make any impact whatsoever to the world around me? And that demands a reasonable answer. Yeah. And if you do not have sound theology and understood uh, biblical literacy at all, I don't think that you can rightfully, you can just try to attempt to make people feel good. Yeah. And that falls woefully short because there's reasonable objections that people have to that that are able to articulate them. And I think that's why sometimes we find ourselves on our heels mm -hmm. of people that are really searching, as Scripture says, that are groaning, that are sort of groping, that want answers to these reasonable questions. And then there's a myriad of questions on top of that. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I, I think what you just listed is that that's sort of the, the impetus or the drive behind, okay, let me try and find truth. Yeah. Because I want to know. That's the truth isn't theoretical in that, like, you know, what's the average rainfall of Brazil? That's interesting. But, you know, and sometimes it can get to be like, oh, well, let's talk about does God exist? And it can just sort of be this intellectual. But that's what it impacts. Do right. I have value? Do I have meaning? Is there hope? Is there hope when I see things go wrong? Do I right. give in to despair? Is there hope of, for anxiety or all these? It's very personal a lot of times that drives it. And I like that we start with questions. I think Jesus asked a ton of questions. Mm. Um, and I think Jesus asks questions with confidence because if he is the truth and you seek the truth, it will lead to Jesus eventually. So... Um, I, I totally agree. That that I think that's what actually drives people yeah. to look for answers rather than just, oh, I wonder if God exists. This will be fun. Let me watch some YouTube videos, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. You know, when we talk about apologetics, typically we break it into three sort of, you know, you have logic, you have the resurrection, um, you have then experience. Yeah. Um, how do you approach, and, and I say resurrection by way of, of not just did Jesus come die and, and was raised to life, but also all the theology 
that then we find in scripture that that crystallizes his magnitude and who he is and the virtues therein mm. and the preeminence that I believe he, he has and all of that in between. How do you approach apologetics? And for the, the, the dummy's guide too, yeah. where do you think a good place to start and what is it that you give your efforts to? Does that make sense? It does. It's just you were looking at Becca when you said the dummy's guide. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was. Yeah. Are wow. we allowed to talk about <laughs> Sorry, that, Becca? Max. Yeah. Break it down like Becca could understand it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Becca, I'm sorry. Because she's actually struggling with her faith. Yeah, right. She's not sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. She likes the Jonas Brothers. So yeah. we got a real problem. Pray for deliverance. <laughs> I love you. You're you're the best, but you do go to Disney World and you like the Jonas Brothers. There's a couple things that I'm yeah. working There's through. There's some concerns. <laughs> yeah. So if somebody said to me, why should I believe Christianity? Yes. I would have that approach that you just listed. I think there's those three categories. There's logic, sort of argumentation. There is the resurrection of Jesus. And then I think there's personal experience. And each one of those is going to appeal to a different personality type. Yeah. If you're more analytical, you know, Enneagram type five, you might like a little bit more of a logical argument. That might be where you, where you are. Different personality types are going to gravitate towards different proofs. And so I think just as a groundwork, it's really helpful. Sevens would be experience. Yeah. Sevens, like Sammy and I. <laughs> Boo. Boo. What about threes? I'm an eight. What about eights? <laughs> he doesn't even know me. <laughs> you go back and forth. That's true. Um, here's the thing when it comes to talking about, you know, we're never going to prove the existence of God, I think, like where there's, you, there's no, um, no way around it. Sure. I think God has ordained the universe that if you really don't want to believe in him, he's provided a way. So a better way to think about it, I think, is like courtroom evidence. Mm-hmm. So... You look at the evidence, and then you go, which way does it lie? No matter how airtight a case is, you could always come up with some theory that would get around the evidence and go, oh, maybe he has a secret twin brother that nobody knows about, and that's why the DNA evidence. You could always find a way around it. Right. I think when it comes to examining the, the, the existence of God, the truth of Christianity, what you're looking for is the cumulative weight of all the evidence to go, come on. which way does this point? Love it. And when you take that approach and you're not looking for a silver bullet or one argument that's going to convince everybody. We found the ark. We found it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a chariot wheel at the bottom of the Chesapeake Bay. It happened, people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, then you can go, okay, I, I just think it's a, it takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like it's a more biblical way to go, let's reason together. Amen. So, number one would be logic, and this would be um, proofs of God. These are the classical proofs of God. This is, you know, the cosmological argument, how did something come from nothing? This is um, teleological argument, the fine tune. Teleological, that's what I was... Oh, that's where you're going for. That's where I was going. There you go. I know you know it. You came, yeah. (laughs) It's just in storage back there. Right. Did you just call him little partner? I did. Oof. You offended? Cam, actually, I think we got it from here. (laughs) (laughs) Could you go help Becky with her Jonas Brothers tickets? (laughs) My 
<laughs> my favorite logical argument, I, I think, the one that impacts me the most, is the moral argument, mm-hmm. which is people tend, and you'll hear various iterations of this, people tend to believe that morals exist. You look at the world, especially in our culture, rightly so, we're very sensitive to justice, we're very sensitive to people being taken advantage of or abused, and we look at things like slavery and we say that's objectively wrong. Right. Problem is, if there is no God, that becomes just a subjective statement, meaning mm-hmm. we don't take lions to jail when they attack zebras. We don't, we don't, we look at the animal kingdom and it's red in tooth and claw and we recognize, oh, okay, there's a lot of violence. But for some reason, when a powerful person abuses a weaker person, we go, that's wrong. So the dilemma that we're then left with is to go, okay, either one, there is a higher moral standard than just what humans decide. There's, a, there's something supernatural outside of us that's objective, whether we like it or not, that's outside of us, that requires a God, a supernatural order to establish that. Or we go, morals are just an illusion. Mm-hmm. Right. Most people are not comfortable saying all the morals that they've built their life on is just an illusion. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really uncomfortable situation to be in. There was an article in the New York Times of this woman, I can't remember her name right now, but she was sort of going overseas and she was really advocating for women's rights in um, some countries where women, they had zero rights at all. And she said, objectively, I know I have no basis to do this. Huh. Because why wouldn't my view be any more valid than their view? There's, mm-hmm. there's no reason why you could say that. But still, I just have to do it. Mm. That's where a lot of people, most people don't resolve that tension. But there's a really strong, logical tension there that needs to be right. resolved. I'll say one more thing. Tim Keller one time said to his church, he was a pastor in Manhattan, he said, a lot of you here, you look around the world, and you, you, two things are true. You don't believe in anything supernatural, but that you look at injustice in the world and you're morally outraged. He said, those two cannot go together. Huh. Because if you're morally outraged, that means there's a moral standard and there's a moral standard giver. If the, if the morals are just what you come up with, then who are you to judge anybody else? Wow. So um, I find that argument really appealing. Other people do not. But that would be an example of a logical argument defense of the Christian faith. Totally. And that's the very argument that converted C.S. Lewis from atheism oh, wow. to Christianity. Um, and I like what you said that there are going to be certain aspects of apologetics that are going to appeal to certain groups. So... Yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis would be one of those who was more inclined to the logical, let me reason this out. You know, there does need to be a moral standard giver, etc. So I, I personally find that pretty compelling as well. Yeah. I, I believe Cam is about to get saved. I am considering it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big step. Cam and Becca. <laughs> Getting saved. When it comes to logic, let's take that aspect of apologetics. Um, there is a presupposition in one that really gives emphasis to logic, and that is that they believe, and I'm setting up a question, not just a statement, but they believe that there is a common ground that a believer and a non-believer can find ultimately to persuade the non-believer towards Christ. Now, I, I, I say this, you know, clearly understanding logic and the loss of an argument does not save one. Jesus saves, and the Holy Spirit is the one that converts a heart, softens, and by his grace, through faith, we come to know him. However, some people would argue that there is no common ground with an unregenerated person, Hmm. that 
that it's a vain effort to try to utilize logic or any argument for that matter until the Holy Spirit hits the switch. I just want to know from you, do you believe that or do you believe that there is a common basis one could find to say, let's start here? And I'll just let you know, I don't believe that there is no common ground. (laughs) I believe that we being image bearers of God. So you're going to have to disagree with me, little partner. You're going to have to argue. (laughs) Uh, Well, I actually agree with you. I I would not be one who says there's no common ground. I, I would agree that you're not going to argue somebody into the kingdom. Right. You're not going to, as Landon said, you're not going to Facebook warrior somebody in, you know, and, and that's how it is. But that could be the means that God uses. That yeah. could be how the Holy Spirit flips the switch, is through a softening of the heart, through careful, you know, discussion and argument. I mean, part of, as you know, part of C.S. Lewis's conversion is he and Tolkien and all those guys would walk for hours and talk about this stuff until like two in the morning. Mm. And so they, it was a relation. This stuff came by way of relationship. While drinking bourbon, did they not? I don't think they drink bourbon. Oh, <laughs> I think they drank beer and tea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, beer. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Fact check that back. <laughs> yeah. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lee Strobel, case for Christ. Also drank bourbon. <laughs> so that's where we were going with that. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was examining. So, and, and then you have the Apostle Paul when he comes into Athens, I, don't, I just don't think that whole idea of, well, there's no common ground, so why would I even try? Um, it's, it's not, I don't think it's biblical, because right. the Apostle Paul goes into Athens, and he says, hey, listen, let me tell you, you have this altar to the mm-hmm. unknown God. Let me tell you about that unknown God. And how do you know about mm. him? Because he sent his son, and he died, and he came back. Mm. Very evidence-based. Very, yes. very reality-based. Very, not, hey, so pray the Holy Spirit turns the switch on. Paul says, let me argue with you. Yes. Let me engage you in this. So It was a very contextualized approach, too. Yes. Definitely. So, no, I would not agree with that. Yeah. Um, but that does lead into the second sort of piece of apologetics, which is the resurrection. Mm. Great segue. So, um, there is a professor uh, named Dr. Gary Habermas. He was a professor at... One Lib- more time. Dr. Gary Habermas. Uh-huh. He was a professor at... Liberty University, the world's most exciting Christian university, <laughs> where Cam and I both attended, proud-ish alumni. Wow. Is L-U. That, is that you? Is that how they do? They that, do that at the football game? That's how we game? do. Go Flames, <laughs> they, do <that> at, <laughs> they do that at the football game. There's just one. There's only one football game at this Christian university, nestled in the foothills of the Virginia Blue Ridge Mountains. The team's looking good these days. Just saying. Say, JS. Stop. <laughs> stop. Stop that, dude. Hey, Malik Willis, now... Reasonable po- answers. Former quarterback of the Liberty Flames is now on the Tennessee Titans team. Okay. All right. Because he injured Tannehill. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we, we slipped into a... You want to like, talk about Taylor and Kelsey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we were on the precipice of Cam just, like, spouting off football things. Like, and, then, and, then, and then you take in the algorithm. Um... Okay, so the resurrection. So Dr. Gary Habermas, he has this thing he calls the minimal facts approach. Mm. Very, very thoroughly researched, where he said that the majority of scholars, what are the facts when it comes to Jesus' resurrection? That it's like 90-something percent of scholars, right? Yeah, like 90 or 95 percent okay. of scholars, both religious and non-religious. So this isn't just, you know, we got all the, the 
Christians together and, right. hey, what do you guys think about this? This is all the scholars that are really well-versed in ancient Near East history in this time period. What do they all agree on? Here's the facts that they agree on. Number one, that Jesus Christ was a real person who mm. was executed by the Romans. So anybody who's like, hey, I don't believe Jesus even existed, no one who's actually studied this believes that. Mm-hmm. Number two, that Jesus' disciples after his death were terrified, and then something happened to them. Huh. That they were, though they were terrified, they started sharing the story of Jesus, even though history tells us it cost many of them their lives. Okay. Third fact is that Jesus' brother James who did not believe he was the Messiah during his life, became a leader in the early church and actually died as a martyr. Okay. So what I'd love to say at that point is what would it take for you to believe that your brother or sister was God? (laughs) Right. And you would die for that. Mm. Like people are like, oh, he just hopped on the train because, you know, that was the cool thing to do. There was no train. Right. The, The train led to death. So what would it take for me to believe that Boots was the Messiah and die? Maybe if I saw him come back to life. Maybe. Not likely. <laughs> Maybe. But so, but historians go, something happened to James. And then right. something happened to Paul. Paul used to be known as Saul of Tarsus, hated the church, hated mm. Christianity, had Christians executed, was there when the first martyr Stephen died, and then something happened, and he gave his life as a herald of this gospel. Mm. So there's, there's other minimal facts, but let's just take those and go, what's the best answer historically for how this happened? Really, I think the best answer is he came back from the dead. Right. That's what all the eyewitnesses said. That's what the people who gave their life saying he was God said. Yep. That how else do you, ex- we should not even, Jesus shouldn't even be a footnote in our history books right now. Totally. He was a poor, obscure rabbi on the backside of the Israeli desert. How did, why are we still talking about him 2,000 years later? Right. Unless something extraordinary happened. Amen. Tim Keller used to say that in, in, as you look through human history, there is a handful of people who have changed the world. People like you know Thomas Edison or Napoleon or Caesar. There's people who have changed the world. And then there's people who have claimed to be God. And the vast majority of them are mentally ill. Mm. Jesus is the only one who has changed the world more than any other human being. Billions of people today claim to follow Jesus. Billions of people say he impacts my daily life. Mm. And he also claimed to be God. Incredible. So if nothing else, he's the most intriguing and interesting person in human history. And he desired that, that his resurrection requires further research. Absolutely. But I'm convinced when you look at the evidence, the best answer is it seems like he came back from the dead. Mm. I don't have a better explanation for how the Roman Empire was converted to a religion of someone that they executed. Totally. Um, so, and I, and, I, and I would say, you know, you're you're as right as rain. You know, that being the sort of landing spot for that tier of apologetics. That you know, simple reading of like a case for Christ by Lee Strobel, or A Reason for God by Tim Keller, or the study of biology and astronomy in in condensed fashion in certain books on, you know, the fundamentals of logic. The reality is when it comes to apologetics, that logic and a defense of the resurrection are only as good as the one using it. 
Mm. Meaning that if we claim to believe this, that we have sacrificed and surrendered our entire life to it, there should be at minimum, and I'm not browbeating and telling everyone to be um, a theologian, although I could argue everyone is a theologian because we all espouse a certain theology. The reality is that there should be some degree of due diligence mm-hmm. so that, as the Apostle Paul said, we are ready Mm. to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. So when it comes to logic, it comes to the resurrection, and it comes to your experience, um, there are certain people that are gifted and intellectual and robust and articulate, (laughs) being one of them, that are able to clearly communicate, here's what, and Boots is as well. Actually, Boots is better than you. <laughs> yeah, I'm as sorry, evidenced Boots. by this episode. <laughs> and Becca. I want to leave you out, little partner. Thanks. You're like my grandma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one for Cam. Cam, too. <laughs> Cam gets a personal pan pizza also. He did book it. Oh, gosh. However... <laughs> It's enough with you, Till. Mm-hmm. It's only as good as the one using it. And so I just want to commend those that are listening just to do a, a, a little due diligence. Yeah. It's an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. But some due diligence in being versed for the hope that lies within us. I think it's really important this day and age. Yeah, and I think, like you're saying, the thing that converted, we talked about this a lot, the thing that really converted the Roman Empire is that a plague came through Rome and the Christians stayed behind to take care of the sick. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't the the whole, you know, hey, how can something come from nothing? It wasn't the teleological argument yeah, for them. Yeah, they weren't like, how'd the mitochondria come together? <laughs> they loved people. Yes. And this is what Jesus said. They'll know that you're my disciples by the way you love. Amen. It, and so that's why that the idea that love is the final apologetic, in some ways that can be abused and go, oh, I don't need an answer because I love people. Yeah. No, you, you should know. Amen. You should love God with all your mind to the best of your ability. Right. Not everybody is, you know, that's not everybody's thing. So, but what really, what opens the door, to your point, is love. Amen. What, what makes people, this goes all the way back to the whole experience thing and the deconstruction, what makes people go, maybe this is legit. Mm is love. Amen. And I don't think you get in the door without it. Certainly not. And I would argue when it comes to our context, I'm not, this isn't undermining or devaluing logic and or uh, a, a sound theology and being able to defend what we believe about the resurrection of Jesus. But in this present day, Love is the the first push that cr- creates at least a compelling intrigue. Huh, what's going on there in a world so full of hate and um, vitriol and anger and mental unhealth and on and on and on to simply see someone steadfast, content, and yet sacrificial in their love is altogether confusing. And we say around here at Lighthouse all the time, when you see that, you wrestle with, are they high or are they legit? And if they're legit, then I want to understand the why behind the what, because that is really, really 
bright in a really dark world. Yeah. And so I don't think when it comes to, to that aspect, I don't think it's hard to be a city on a hill this day and age. Yeah. I don't think it's hard to be a light who um, is not seen. You got to actually, as a believer and a follower of Jesus, you got to work at being dark now. Mm. <laughs> you don't have to work. If you're, if you're true in your discipleship, I think that your brightness is going to stand out. Yeah. And I think it's our day. It's our day to shine. Ooh. Shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> and let me just say, <laughs> I'm supposed to transition from that. But let me just say this about the experience piece. Yes. That sometimes if you're a little bit more logical minded, you know, you might go, ah, oh, that's, that, that's just more, that's subjective. That doesn't, yeah. I think that's a legit way to go. How do you know God is real? Because I've met him. Yeah. Because, because he's answered my prayers. <clears throat> Amen. Because I've seen things that I can't explain. If mm. we were to, I mean, if we were to open up that mic on Sunday morning for a testimony. Come on. We would be blown away yep. by the stories we would. I'm thinking about Butch Morrow, who's our facilities manager here. How the way he became a Christian is he was about to take his life, sitting with a bottle of whiskey and a gun, ready to end it. There was a knock on the door from his from a from a pastor he had never met before. He said, "Hey, can you just? I just want to invite. Do you have any kids here? I want to invite him to a VBS." Mm. He said, "Come back tomorrow," knowing he would be gone by tomorrow. And the pastor stuck his foot in the door and said, God told me to come in this house right now. Wow. And that's how he became a Christian that night. Mm. You hear enough stories like that. That's right. And you go, God's really moving. Amen. This ain't just theoretical in, in you know, Saint, you know, Anselm's arguments for, from logic. He's changing lives today. Your story, myriads of stories within Absolutely. the church. Experience is a legit way to go. Ah. Uh, God did something. Amen. And I don't have another way to explain it besides he, I met him. That's exactly right. So sometimes experience kind of gets maligned like that. I, I think it's a valid way to know. And I, I think to your point, as we often say to the staff, um, when people come into Lighthouse Church, it is a really healthy thing to have on the forefront of my mind that what people are actually looking for, whether conscious or subconscious of, when people step into the four walls of a church, they want to know, have you been with him? Mm. When they listen to the pastor on the stage, or they listen to worship being led, or they watch the people therein, they are, whether they are conscious of them even asking this inherent question, they want to know, have you been with him? Because they are not in a place where they will be argued out of their disbelief, or are they even concentrated on a logical reason to believe as much as I want to experience the supernatural? And I believe that God has placed that in the heart of a man. So you want to know what's authentic by being able to say, there are certain people that I come in contact with and I know at, at, at first words that guy has been in the presence of Jesus. That lady yeah. has spent time laboring and hearing from him. Yep. And it causes me to lean in with, I want that. Um, I think this day and age where everything is looked at so cynically, when someone is able to give reason of their experience and the validity of their belief is rooted in, I can't even explain it, but my life is different because of it. Yeah. There's nothing like it. No. You know what? I've started, I, I've, I've started just going, where do you go to church? And they go, how do you know? I, 
You just know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just know. You They're just Christian. Know. They, yeah. they have. They got the joy of the Lord. <laughs> Never met him before. There's a guy trying to sell, trying to kind of zap mosquitoes at my house. And oh. I just, just walking down the street, riding a Segway, actually, down the street. Uh-huh. Huh. That's how you know. If you're watching this, you know who you are. <laughs> There's only and there two was something about him. I just went, he's a believer. Huh. Mm-hmm. And I've, he was. I've what, noticed what, what was that. it? Oh, I'm sorry, Boots. What? It's, it's, I think, this is my opinion, I think it's in the eyes. Because uh, I've noticed that since a young age, is I feel like you can pick up on, you just see it in their eyes, and it's like, oh, they're different. They've been yeah, with them. Yeah, Wow. You, you don't, is that how you would describe it? Because that's what I've always thought was like, understood almost well jesus did say that the eyes are the light of the body the eyes are bright the whole body come on there's there's like this whole thing yeah but the the eyes go dark oh how great a darkness so i do believe that it's it starts with the eyes i'm looking at you two you got pretty dark (laughs) eyes dark eyes (laughs) yikes actually i got some questions for you offline (laughs) but there is a whole thing that has a lot to do with one's countenance, mm. has a lot to do with one's, uh, many times it's their language. Mm. It could be, it, yeah. honest to goodness, this is going to sound really weird. It could be the cadence in oh. there, in there, the way that they carry themselves. You just know, mm-hmm. huh, look at you. Look at you. You're a believer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. I love it. And, um, in my closing salvo, I don't have a whole lot to add to that other than, friend, I, I so appreciate the way you provoke me to, to want to know more, do better, <laughs> study harder. And at the same time, there is a very well-rounded thing with you of that your faith is very much rooted in an experience. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, you do study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of of God. At the same time, being very sort of contextually astute as to here's the arguments that's happening around us. And I want to at least have a baseline to refute them. And I think that we are better for it. And uh, I'm grateful for it. When it gets right down to it, I think this is, you know, I think there is coming. When all said and done, my prayer on the constant is the Lord send revival. Mm-hmm. Send something that is absolutely irrefutable mm. and, and, and unarguable that your presence is here and that you are changing lives because I believe there is a final awakening forthcoming and God knows we need it. I'm watching what's taking place in Gaza. I'm watching what's taking place in the turmoil in the Middle East. And if we're not... <laughs> Hey, if we're not in the final days, I believe we're on the waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there is something a-brewing that the follower of Jesus must be able to know what they believe and why they believe it, while at the same time, it's a time to stay real close to him, mm. walk humbly, do justice, and love mercy, and really keep your eyes fixed. And um, I, think, I think this is our game to lose when you get right down to it. Mm. That God has positioned us, and I'm, I'm, I'm. I used to be that I was more terrified than excited, but I think in my maturity and as I've gotten older, when you're young, I'll just give you lads a, a little, little, a little nugget, little nugget. When you're young, you look at life like the end times, the the 
the upheaval that's to come and you really get frightened at not only the mystery of the unknown by and large what that means is how how bad is this going to hurt yeah like will i feel pain while at the same time that's paired with oh i'm afraid of what i get i'm going to lose mm -hmm. like there's a lot of life and runway ahead of me I, I don't want to leave anything on the table, but if he comes back too quickly or this thing starts to wrap up, there's a lot yeah. that I wanted to do. I missed my vacation. <laughs> yeah. I, I still want to get that condo down in Miami. Mm -hmm. However, when you older that you get, the more you, you come to realize he's, he's the all in all. Yeah. There is nothing greater than him and his presence and him coming back and setting the record straight. There is nothing that I lose mm. that won't be overshadowed by what I gain. Amen. When it gets right down to it, you start to realize, wait a minute, there's an angst within me and a groaning that says, come Jesus quickly. Yeah. And all the more as you see a day and age of where the world and pain and anxiety and heartache and brokenness and mm. sin is ravishing so much, you want the great I am to come back and set the record straight. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> He's like, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you made a pretty good case. Hey, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I don't... I'm glad you guys are excited too. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we can pray afterwards. Check your heart. The only thing I would add after that, which I agree with, <laughs> Thanks. Hey, what hey. you moving my stuff for? Thanks. Your area is getting a little cluttered. You got what? You have like nine <laughs> things over there. Anyway, if you're watching this and you do struggle with doubt, mm. or you are on that journey, of maybe it's legit, and I'm not really sure. James says God draws near to those who draw near to Him. Come on. So if you're willing to go, you know what? I want to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. And I'm opening myself up. I would just pray, man. God, I. If I just want you to show me mm. and, and I'm willing to seek and I'm willing to follow and um, see what he does with that prayer as you begin to dig into those arguments and read through scripture and find a Christian friend that could help you. Amen. But God draws near to those who draw near to him. So if you press in, he will meet you where you're at. He'll meet you more than in the middle. He'll come mm. to where you're at. Beautiful. Um, so seek him. In, in addition to that, any particular resources you would recommend? The reason for God. Mm by Dr. Tim Keller is very good. Um, you mentioned The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, which is also very good. Um, that's more about the resurrection in particular. Um, Reason for God has some philosophical arguments in there as well, which is really good. I really like, I know you really like uh, Dr. William Lane Craig's apologetics work. That's a little bit more um, logical based stuff, but he's got a, he dresses a wide range of topics, very well uh, read. Um, so yeah, I think that'd be a good starting point. Yeah. And if the moral argument appeals to you, mere um, Christianity. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Louis. So, well, Amen. John, we appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. <laughs> As our uh, <laughs> apologetic expert. Yes. <laughs> Resident <laughs> Not expert. Not an expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Simplexity Podcast or on Apple or Spotify. Love you guys. What do we say, Simplexity fam? Thank you so very much for listening to this podcast. 
if you are listening and you do like it, I just want to encourage you to go ahead and like and review wherever you are listening from. We would so greatly appreciate it. And we love you guys.